Welcome to the KPC Podcast. This week's message is from Pastor Mark Santum. So, as we dive in here, as a parent, there are few, fewer things that get your attention more quickly than when kids call out for you, right? So if you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. We could all have many stories of times when you heard your kids cry out or call out for you, right? And usually it's one of those heart-stopping moments. So there are plenty. One that, uh, one that came to mind as I was thinking about this is when it, shortly after my family moved here, my son Ethan and daughter Rachel, they were a little bit younger. So, uh, so if, you're, if, you know, if you have little kids, how many of you take your little kids over to East Beach, right? Big e- I know you guys are East Beach fans. So you don't have to worry about the waves and the crowds. I mean, there's no bathrooms, but you know, there's a big bay there. So... Um, I hear people do that, but um, so I'm on the beach there, and then so my so uh, my son Ethan one time just begins to call out to me, and it was one of those scary call out, like dad, dad. So I'm looking over, see what's going on. So then Rachel goes to him, and then she, I don't know what she sees, but she starts calling out. So I got two crying kids calling out to me. So of course it's dad, you know. I'm just hustling in there like David Hasselhoff, you know, into the not really, but. So I go, there to save, I go in there to save the day. So they're calling, crying out. So anyhow, I scoop both of them up like this. And we have you know, water in here. And so I'm trying to ask them what they are calling me for. And as I am, ready, as I am asking that, I notice that there's not three in our little huddle, but four. There's my two children, me, and the jellyfish right here. So this jellyfish in this pool lights all three of us up. So then we turn to my wife, Tina, and we all start to call out to her. And then she had to take care of three kids. But uh, you got to watch those jellyfish in August there. And when you're a kid, there's fewer things that will get your attention faster than whenever your parent calls you, especially, you know, if they call you by your first and middle name. How many of you had the middle name PTSD, right? Um, I just remember these random thoughts you have uh, growing up um, just because they're memories that happened again and again and again. We had a neighbor across this, the street, Paul Cress. And so Paul still lives there back in Forsyth Road there in Valencia, Pennsylvania. And so when he was a kid, we would, uh, we would play all over the neighborhood. That's how you always knew where the kids were. You saw where the big, what, big pile of bikes were. And so, so Paul had a very stringent dinnertime hour. And so every, every night around 6 o'clock, the mother didn't know where he was. Let me show you a little feedback here. Um, so she would come out assume the position and she would just uh, go like this and she would say Paul supper time and she would ring the the, the bell ding 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 like three times so wherever you were you heard the call and then you heard the bell and then Paul would stop even if he was in the middle of wrestling with you he would stop and he would get up and stand at attention he was very well uh, you know raised very well and he would stand up and he'd go mother I'm coming just like that every time Every day, we all knew when the Cresses had to eat because Paul yelled across the neighborhood, Mother, I'm coming. Because when that call came, man, he was there. And I don't have to tell you what happened if he didn't make it, right? So this morning, we are going to discuss the the notion of calling, this biblical idea of calling. That definitive sense that God is calling to us to give us hope, to give us meaning, to give us purpose. Um... And what is this sense of call that, that we all listen for? This, this call that we hope for, this call that we look to in order to find this hope, this purpose, this significance in life, because you don't even need to be a Christian to want that. As, as, as image bearers of God, created in his image, every human is designed and wired to hear the call of God. Of course, with sin, that, often, uh, that process often gets truncated, but God's call goes out and we are designed to respond to that. 
What I love, uh, C.S. Lewis, in, in his essay, Weight of Glory, says this, we all desire for our own far-off country, a scent of a flower we have not found, the echo of a tune that we have not heard, and news from a country that we have never yet visited. And so isn't that, isn't that just a beautiful picture of calling? Because there's a sense of life that we know it isn't quite what it should be, and there's, there's a promise for more. And so if, the, if there is a God out there that is calling us to a place that we have yet to experience, how awesome would that be? We all long to be called to journey to such a place where we can find contentment for our souls and assurance that our lives are going to matter. I don't know uh, actually who did this, but on my office door, somebody hung this on here. It says, what you do matters, what you do matters, what you do matters, what you do matters. And so I just looked at it first and didn't think anything of it. But as I started researching this on call, we all, Christian or not, we all want to know that what we do matters beyond this moment. Am I right? So uh, Paul in the Philippians, he, he has all of his baggage, right? He has all of his, uh, not just all of his badges of honor that he used to, make him think that he was uh, such a wonderful follower of God, but then he has all of his sin. And so in Philippians 3, he says this, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what is ahead, I press on for the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So that's, just, that's an interesting phrase, isn't it? The heavenward call. Like, if you just heard that, you would think, does that, does that mean after I'm dying, is that the heavenward call was like, come to the light, Mark, come to the light, you know? Is that what that is? You know, I don't think so. Is it, is it just a promise to remind us that one day heaven will be our address in the sweet by and by? Is that what the heavenward call is? Or is there more to calling than that? Is it more of a journey than a destination? And I think it is. So this morning, let's just look at um, three biblical reflections on calling. I think that's the next slide. Let me just say first and foremost, this, this topic of calling is, it's ginormous. That's a good word. Um, and I just will literally not be able to do it justice today. But in order to simplify it, and if, and if it stirs some other things in you, then you should go and study it for yourself because it is a wonderfully biblical idea that, that hits us right where we live. Okay, so we're just going to do three reflections. Can we do that today? All right. Um, I don't know if the slides are being shown up there or not. If they are, I'll just continue, but uh, you guys can uh, catch up as you can. Reflection number one. You ready for this? God always makes the first call. It's true that, that scripture is full of people that call out to God and there are verses that commend those that do call out to God. For instance, you go into the Psalms and the Psalms is full of David calling out to God, right? You could, if you just condensed that, it would still be a pretty thick book. Here's a few examples. Psalm 55, as for me, I call out to the Lord and he saves me. Evening, morning, and noon, I call out in distress and he hears my voice. First Chronicles 16, oh, give thanks to the Lord and call Upon his name, make his deeds known among the peoples. Psalm 145, the Lord is near to, near to all who call out to him, to all who call on him on truth. Psalm 116 begins to turn um, the trajectory here a little bit that, that I would like to go down. Psalm 116 says this, because he inclined his ear to me, therefore 
I shall call upon him as long as I live. So here's the deal. Why should, um, why should, uh, well, I should say, first of all, we should all make calling, calling out to God one of our spiritual disciplines. How many of you have called out to God in the past week? Let me see your hands. All right. Yes, I love to see those hands. That is good. You call out to God, cry out to God. It's a beautiful thing. David gave us um, a beautiful precedent for that. And don't, don't stop doing that. But the reason why it says in Psalm 116 is we call out to God because he first inclined his ear to hear us. How many of you don't, uh, you've learned not to call out to certain people because you know they don't want to hear you. They don't want to answer your calls. They don't want to talk to you. Uh, how many wives in here ever try to call to their husbands uh, on a Sunday afternoon whenever uh, the cowboys were playing the Redskins? And you got nothing, right? Like, why even bother? But the reason we call out, because we know that God first uh, inclined his ear toward us. You see, God is the great initiator. First um, John 4.19 says that we love because what? He first loved us. And that's, that's, a new, that's a New Testament principle. You can just repeat that and fill in the blanks. We serve because he first served us. We forgive because what? He first forgave us. We call out to God because why? Because he first called out to us. And we simply respond to the sovereign God of all who called Abram out of his ignorant pagan ways. He called Lazarus out of his lifeless tomb. He called the disciples out of their common lifestyles. And he called Israel from the very beginning. I love this passage. This comes from Isaiah 65, verse 1. This is what God said. I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. I was found by those who did not seek me. A nation that did not call on my name. I said, here am I, here am I. God, that is the kind of God that we serve. The one that doesn't wait for us to make the first move. God always makes the first move. So when we talk about calling, calling always assumes that there is a caller, right? There's always assumes that there's a caller. And the great thing for Christians is that God is the one that's calling us. We do not call ourselves. We are not the captains of our own ship and destiny, as the world would say. So that's just a real basic point, but one that really should be noted, <coughs> that God is the one that always makes the first call. The second reflection is this. God calls people to himself. Let me tell you why that matters. It sounds simple. I'm going to give you a, there's a few quotes I'm going to share from, with you today from a guy named Oz Guinness. How many of you know of Oz Guinness? How many of you have read this book called The Call? If you have, you are more blessed than other people that you're sitting around right now. Uh, and if you haven't read it I, and you're interested in just the whole nature of the call of God, this is one of the seminal uh, books that you can read on that. So I'm going to take a couple quotes from him. But when I was thinking of great quotes that summarize, like, what is the call of God? I think this is the most beautiful one uh, that could be found. So it's going to be up on the screen for you. In, in relation to call, God, uh, Oz Guinness says this, God calls us to himself so decisively that everything we are, everything we do, and everything we have is invested with special devotion and dynamism lived out in response to his summons. That is a beautiful, beautiful definition of the call of God. And you just look at, does that fit your life? To what degree does that fit your life? It could be pretty encouraging for a lot of you. For some of you, that could be really convicting. It could be really convicting if you have fully embraced the call of God. You see, 
But the, the important thing is God calls us first to himself because Christianity is at its core relational. It is not an impersonal force directing us to go here and do this and believe this for no reason. But instead, rather, God calls people first to himself through the person of Christ. And he does this through love. He calls his people through love. And then when, when he does that, uh, people are called and God is glorified and, and we are benefited. Um, what I love, you, you, because we were made like that, yeah, I can't help but think of that great classic quote by Augustine from the book, one of his confessions. He said, you have made us for yourself, O God. Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. So there's this sense that we are incomplete. And then when God calls us, he calls us to himself in personal relation and transformation. So what happens when God calls us to himself? All right. There, there, so this is the primary, uh, the primary three things we'll talk about today. Why does God call us to himself? For three things. Salvation, sanctification, and vocation. And fortunately for you, you can remember these because they all rhyme. and They all end in Asian. All right. Vacation isn't on there, although some of you might want to add that. But uh, we'll get to the, what vocation is. But those are the three, salvation, sanctification, and vocation. So real quickly, we'll just talk about salvation. So God calls people to himself. You know, almost 40 times in the New Testament, the word calling, that's used interchangeably for salvation, right? So you can look that up. Uh, Romans 8.28 is one of the most popular uh, versions of that. So when God uh, issues this call for salvation... This is, uh, I'm going to just give you two like theological terms. These terms you won't find in the, we won't find in the Bible. But, uh, you know, theology, the, theologians, they'll take, sometimes theologians and biblical scholars, they kind of, you know, they don't always get along and play well. But the job of theologians is just to take some overall themes and kind of put their own language to it, right? It should always be in line with the Word of God. So they said there's a, they, they call the, the salvation, there's an external call of salvation. This starts with the, the simple self-revelation of God through the world, through the brilliance of creation. You read Romans 1, God wants to be known by the people, doesn't he? He's not a deist, right? He's not one of the, like, he creates and just steps back and says, good luck with all that. But God wants, to, he chooses to reveal himself to us, first of all, through creation. And then he issues a general, or we call an external call to the world, inviting people to himself to find forgiveness and uh, and um, eternal life through Christ. This happens, you know, through the reading of the word, through the witness of believers, through miracles. Um, this external call goes out. A great way to, to picture this external call of God, if you read the parable in Luke 14, the parable of the wedding banquet, this is when the king gets the big banquet together and invites and sends out all of those Evites, right? And so it turns out that people aren't even responding to the Evites. They're deleting them or they're saying, ah, uh, Yet saying to the king, yeah, we can't make it. We have more important things to do. So this was specifically referring to the fact that, that God invited the Jews to salvation first. And the Jews were like, mm, no, God, not interested. So then, then God opens up the field, like, bring in everyone. So he sends out his message. He says, make the call. Throw invitations everywhere. We want, we want every seat at this banquet filled. And so... Uh, in verse 23 of Luke 14, it says, The master told his servant, Go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. This is like the external call of God. But the parable ends, which is in two places in the Gospels, with this line that many are called, right? But few are chosen. Very interesting. So what does that mean? Well, 
then there's also the internal call. And then you would, you would guess by the word internal that that's, that would indicate the difference between the internal and the external because this suggests that the call of God makes it inside into the heart of a person. It's also called the effectual call. That's another name that, it, that goes by because its call is effective in its power to actually summon a sinner to repentance and faith in Christ. So you could say this, that many are called externally, but few are called internally. The scriptures remind us that wide is the road that leads to destruction and many find it, but narrow is the way that leads to life and very few find it. So you see the difference between the external, God is inviting everyone, but, the, but when, whenever the rubber meets the road, there are, there are far fewer people that will choose uh, to come to Christ than will choose to reject him. So of course, uh, this concept of internal and external call, that it is directly re- related to the issue of election and predestination. But since we don't have five hours here this morning, we'll just let it lie at that. And suffice it to say this, because God first called us, called out into the spiritual graveyard of our hearts. The Holy Spirit has to come and regenerate us so that we even have the power to respond because it says in Romans that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And that is so true. That is our response. But first, God has to issue the call. A great way to think of salvation is you think of the, the story of Lazarus. What it, you know, Jesus shows up and Lazarus is dead in there. And so Jesus, you know, do your thing. And Jesus is like, well, you know what? As soon as Lazarus calls out for my help, then I'll swoop in and raise him from the dead. So go ahead, Lazarus, whenever, whenever you're ready. You know, crickets. Of course Lazarus can't. And yet that's, what's, that's what our spiritual conditions are like. Like Lazarus in the tomb. There's no way Lazarus makes the first response. In salvation, there's no way we make the first response. God calls us. And at, when the call comes by the Spirit of God, it awakens our hearts, and then we're able to respond. Um, so that's, that is, that's the call to salvation. The, 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 the second reason Jesus calls us to himself, God calls us to himself, is the call to sanctification. And I won't take much time on this one because Pastor Steve preached a great sermon on sanctification back on June 16th. If you missed the June 16th sermon, you can go on kpc.org, go down and uh, re-listen to or listen to the first time his sermon on sanctification. But almost 30 times in the New Testament, God calls us to live for him in a set-apart manner using that word call. As, as, as products of a sanctified, transformed heart. Remember the church. We are the church, right? Uh, the Greek word for church is ekklesia, which means the called out ones. So we are called out from the world to live differently than the world. We are called to live by the standards of the kingdom of God, by the spirit of grace, to live differently than the world does. Um, 1 Peter 1 says, Just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, Be holy for I am holy. Being set apart for holy use, it's a process. We're all in process here, right? Jesus, he saved our souls just like that, but now the process of sanctification, it takes a while. Sometimes you're thinking, boy, it's taken a lot longer than I used to think that it would take. As we become more and more like Jesus, to become like chips off the old block, to become like our spiritual father. You know, like the word, Christ, the word Christian literally means little Christ's. So Jesus should come in here and say, you are all my mini-me's, right? And so our, our goal is to, to be like him. So when people see us, we are an honorable reflection of our heavenly father. <coughs> um, in the Westminster uh, Confession of Faith, the Shorter Catechism, it summarizes what is the, the, the chief end of man, and that is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. 
And I'm telling you, the only way to glorify God is to be like his son. If you are not increasingly like Jesus, you have zero ability to glorify God. They are, they are one and the same. So to, to the degree that we resist the sanctifying work of the Spirit is, is the degree that you are resisting your ability to glorify God. It's sobering, yet true. Um, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, 24 May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless of the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love verse 24. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Amen. And then uh, the third reason that uh, Jesus calls us to himself is vocation. A.K.A redemptive work you could say it like that whenever God first calls you to himself he does so and then he sends you out he calls you to the world in his name this call to vocational work is one of action and participation man you got to roll up your sleeves when God calls you to do vocational work you know you just can't sit there and look pretty in church right you got to roll up your sleeves because there is work to be done redemptive work so this whole notion of calling it was really developed a lot by the early church fathers and they were very clear to say this wouldn't be calling with a capital C like the calling to salvation but these are one of many callings maybe a smaller C um, but you understand the calling is more than just a job or work that pays the bills and take care of the family and I'm, don't get me wrong because we all have to do that remember the scripture says if a man shall not work he shall not eat if a man doesn't take care of his family he's worse than an unbeliever so the whole thing of work is a real deal uh, in the garden of Eden you know there's that what they call the cultural mandate where it says be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth so that was a, a call to do redemptive work although that sounded a lot better before the curse because when the curse came like yeah well now this work now you're going to sweat a lot. It's going to be horrible. The first day that Adam showed up to work, after the fall, there was a, there was a time clock there that he had a punch. And it says, we will no longer be matching your 401ks. Casual Fridays are canceled. You're like, oh, work is horrible, right? So we have the opportunity to not just work to make a living, right? Because vocation is so much more beautiful than that. Vocation comes from the Latin word to call, which insinuates that God is the one that calls you for a specific role, for the good of society, for the advancement of the kingdom, and for his glory. So it doesn't focus. When you think of vocation, you look at the biblical rationale for why you do what you do. We don't use, Bible doesn't use words like job and career and success and paycheck. That's very worldly. That's very American, right? And if that's, your, if that's how you summarize your, what it is to work, then you're, we're just missing out. There's so much more. Because vocation is rather the fact that we are responding to God's call to be conduits of, of, of his redemption through our giftings, through our callings, through our passions in this world. I love this next quote. I think it's on the screen with, from Os Guinness. He says this, answering the call of our creator is the ultimate why for living, the highest source of purpose in human existence. Apart from such calling, all hope of discovering purpose, not just success, will end in disappointment. Nothing short of God's call can ground and fulfill the truest human desire for purpose. Isn't that beautiful? But you might say to me, bro, I'm working like a dead-end job at cookout. Not exactly what I'd call the truest sense of human desire, all right? First of all, if you work at cookout, first of all, I'm a little bit envious, all right? And you might see me there regularly, so don't disparage that too much. But what I'm saying is, responding to God's vocational call, it is a process. It's not just like 
Someone uh, waves his magic wand, all of a sudden you're like, wow, I, I've been called, and all of a sudden I'm here, I'm living the dream. It's a process, just like everything else. Jesus, and Jesus is into process. He loves slow process and seasons. And for as much as we love to short, shortcut that and truncate that, it, it rarely happens. So the call of God in our life, it happens in process and happens in different seasons. Sometimes you're called to a church for a different season, and then you move on. Sometimes you're called to a certain ministry, and you give it your all for six years, and then it's time to move on, right? So, there, so callings do. They come in cycles. They come in seasons. And, and the calling is something that's happening now. We have to start thinking, stop thinking that you know, calling is just something in the future. It's always in the future. It's like, this, it's like chasing the sun in the, in, in, in the West where you can never catch it. And we have to get over thinking that the call of God is like that. It's not just some pie-in-the-sky dream and some magical future, but it's happening now. And some of you may be in a place now where you're discouraged. Remember the, the scriptures say, do not, de- do not despise the day of small beginnings, right? That's where everybody has to start. He who can be faithful with the, in the little things can be, fa- can be trusted with much. These are, this is all part of the process. And I love this. Regardless of whether you feel like you're in a dead-end job or whether you feel like you're living, uh, you're in the apex of your calling and your sweet spot, Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, everyone say whatever you do. Do it with all of your heart. That's for the Lord and not for man. Whatever you do, do it for the Lord. And that makes, that is the, the, the essence of, of taking regular work and making it holy. So vocation, um, there's, a, there's a, a famous Presbyterian minister and writer named Frederick Buechner. He has, a, he has a quote on this, which is up on the screen. You might have heard it before. It says, the place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Isn't that a great, isn't that a great saying? Think of all the called people like this whose passions intersected with a need in this broken world. When there's a land full of giants, you need a Joshua. When the land's full of idolatry, you need a King Josiah. When there's a wall broken down, you need a who? A Nehemiah. When a notable spiritual leader needs guidance, you need a Priscilla and an Aquila. When you're a persecuted apostle, you need a Barnabas. When the Bible needs to be translated to English for the masses, you need a John Wycliffe. When you need to break the power of church abuse, you need a Martin Luther. When slavery is tolerated in your country, you need a William Wilberforce. When the world needs 9,000 hymns written for the glory of God, yo, you need a Fanny Crosby. When your homeland is dictated by the evils of Nazism, you need a Dietrich Bonhoeffer. When thousands of Indian children need to be freed from prostitution, you need an Amy Carmichael. When you need someone to fight for the well-being of children in Hampton Roads, you need a Carrie L. Bailey, right? When you're sick and you need to be visited or troubled and need to be counseled, you need a Neil Ellison, right? When you don't know how to handle your finances, you need a Bob O'Brien. When you've been incarcerated and need help adjusting back into society, you need a Steve Copeland, right? When you experience loss in your life and you need to grieve well, you need a, a Lois Saunders. When you're a church in need of a servant-hearted deacon, you need a Steve Schmitter or Scott Pennock or David Dozier or Reuben Vera. You can uh, run the list. But you understand what I'm getting at. For all of these places in the church and the world where there's a deep need, God raises up people that have a passion for it to go and help meet these needs. 
it does take a lot of self-awareness in, in relation to, uh, to what God is calling and how he's calling you in your life. And guess what? When God calls you, there is no distinction between what is called secular and sacred. Right? That, 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 that distinction does not exist in the eyes of the kingdom, in the eyes of the Lord. When God calls you, then that calling automatically is sacred. Whether you're a worship leader in a church, or whether you teach math in the public school system. A friend of mine used to uh, drive a bus for disabled American veterans. And he just drive them to appointments and stuff. These guys were in great need. And he said to me, he's like, man, I can't wait till I go to seminary so I can start doing ministry. I was like, bro, what? You got a ministry right here. These guys are in need. They love you. You have a captive audience. You can't, don't even have to let them off the bus if you don't want, right? And so, um, and so just opening his mind. So not saying that he shouldn't go to seminary, but he's always so looking in the future saying, there, your job here is sacred. You have a ministry opportunity right now. I love, remember Abraham Kuyper, he said one of my favorite quotes, he said, there's not a square inch in creation where Christ doesn't declare, this is mine. So we, through vocation, we get to declare the lordship of Christ in every arena, whether it's entertainment, art, politics, you name the list, there is no arena that does not need to be touched by the redemptive touch of God. And that's what the beauty of vocation is. It's not just about getting a paycheck. So you can be a truck driver, an engineer, a nurse, a missionary, a homeschool mom. You can be an army chaplain, a, uh, a prison ministry volunteer, or a Starbucks barista. And you can do it all for the glory of God and, and, and let God use you as a candidate for his redemptive touch. That is the beauty of vocation. Amen. And let me say this. I got to say this. If God calls you, then do not, do not compare your calling to anyone else's. They are custom made. How many of you have ever done that? How many of you are so excited about the calling of God, then all of a sudden you see someone else, you're like, oh boy, all right, I'm done. So that is just, isn't that just like the enemy to come right in and take something so beautiful, the call of God, and then begin to twist it, and then there's envy and jealousy and discouragement. And then a lot of you may not be walking your calling because you're comparing yourself or wishing you had a different calling. Remember, we don't call ourselves, God does. And so your call does not need to be better or more noticeable or more grandiose. You will be rewarded not for the visibility of your calling, but rather for your faithfulness to your calling. You got that? You will not be rewarded for how visible you are, but for how faithful you are, whether, whether it's noticed by others or not. Let me just say this too before we uh, finish up. There's still hope for you if you feel like you're a Jonah. How many of you... Okay, I'm not going to, just a quick hand of raising. This isn't, this is past tense. How many of you in your past felt like Jonah and you ran from the calling of God and God had to hunt you down, all right, and now he won you over and you're now following in the, in the call of God. Let me see your hands. If you were ever once a Jonah. Hey, Jonas, ex-Jonas, that's right. I see that hand, Mac. Even Max, even Mac was a Jonah. Come on, look what the Lord did for him. And so, or some of you are jumping the gun. Some of you are call, feel a calling to a new season and the Lord's saying, wait, wait, wait. And you're trying to jump in before it's time. That also can be very frustrating. I remember uh, when I was working uh, at, uh, at Regent, back with uh, Diane uh, a few years ago. And this is just an incredible story. A man came because uh, he, he was interested in going to school of divinity and I was working in admissions there. His name was Scott. His wife's name was Karen. They weren't the Walters, but um, they were from Colorado. And I was talking to him. He said, he goes, let me tell you why I'm here. He said, I, I, I've been uh, working in kind of high finance 
for years out in the Denver area, and he said, I just helped close a deal. So by me closing that deal, I had a $75,000 check that I made in one day. He said, I walked out to my car and uh, just feeling like he couldn't wait to get home to tell his wife. And his wife was, uh, you know, she was a well-paid lawyer out there. And he said he got to his car and he went to put the keys in his car and the Holy Spirit stopped him and said, what are you doing? He said, I dropped the keys right there. And he goes, I got down on my knees and he realized the Holy Spirit said, I did not call you to make all this money. He said, I, I called you to go to the nations and share my word. So he went back and here his wife had a very similar experience that same day. They both quit their high paying jobs, moved out to Regent, uh, you know, kind of lived on their, uh, you know, lived on their savings. And so now he's serving, and so she became, she went from a lawyer and she became a nurse. And whenever she went over, overseas, he could preach the gospel and she could take care of the sick. I'm telling you what, I saw that. And I was like, come here, just give me a hug, bro. I said, we will, I don't know, apparently you don't need financial aid, but you know what? The fact that he would walk away from that, that was, that was a great sacrifice. And your story doesn't have to be like that, but that was a very notable one that I remembered. Um, remember, God's calling is persistent. In Romans 11, it says it's irrevocable without repentance. His call on your life does not budge. If you think, if you get in a staring contest with the calling of God, guess what? Guess who's going to blink first? It's going to be you. All right? Um, the calling of God, and that's a beautiful, it's a, a beautiful extension of God's unchanging, unflinching character. The quote says, uh, it's never too late to be what you could have been. And I think there's a lot of truth of that in the gospel. Okay, finally, reflection number three, and this one is real short because it's very obvious. Number, reflection number three is we must walk worthy of our calling. Ephesians 4.1 says this, as a prisoner for the Lord, and this is Paul giving his perspective from a prison, right? You always get clear perspective when stuff like that happens. He said, I urge you to walk worthy of the calling to which you have been called. I tell you what, that verse encourages me and it and I'm going to be honest, it haunts me sometimes. Like, am I walking worthy of the calling to which I've been called? Um, when God, um, actually, I just, I just wrote this in here right before I came because I saw this uh, on Facebook and, and it mentioned calling. I was like, you know what? That's actually pretty good. I'm going to mention it. So I saw this thing on Facebook. It said this, when God put a calling on your life, he already factored in your fear and stupidity most comforting thing that I've heard in years. <laughs> I was like, man, there's, that's, a lot of, that's a lot of good truth to that. Um, he already factored that in because you don't, the, the expectation to walk in the call of God is not to walk perfectly, but it is an expectation to walk faithfully, consistently, maturely, in such a way that honors the person of Jesus to all who watch how you live your life. Amen. Well, good. I'm going to ask um, Casey if you want to come on up. So here, here's, our response to, here's our response this morning, church, as we close. In response to the call of God, whether it's to salvation, to sanctification, or to vocation, hear this great uh, reminder from Isaiah 43.1. But now, says the Lord God, your creator, and he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. So when it comes to salvation, that's very obvious uh, tie in sanctification and vocation. 
You know, God's engraved you in the palm of his hands. He's called you by name. That is significant. Because you know why? Because the names are so significant. Your name is written in this book, the Lamb's Book of Life. It is written there, your name. And that is important. In salvation, in sanctification, he is redeeming you, right? Your mind, your will, your attitude, your relationship, so that you, so that you can decrease and so the Son of God can increase in your life, like John the Baptist said. And in vocation, it, it, it could be fearful for some of you may have to give up some things. Some of you may have a comfortable life right now. And you know, you could be my, my friend Scott, who said, God, my, my, my life is comfortable now, but it's not what you want me to do. And some of you might be fearful because you have to give up stuff. And that's hard to do. But do not fear for you. Uh, for you don't have to decide in your vocation. God has decided that for you. He's trailblazing a path ahead of you. We simply walk in the direction that the divine voice is calling you in his season, in his time. So, um, as we close, we're just going to consider the Lord's call in our lives, whether it's for salvation, for sanctification, or vocation. And two, let's consider, while we're all in this together, consider the calling of KPC in this next season of this church. And I'm telling you, it's going it's to take courage to pray and respond to the heavenward call of Christ. Here is one last quote by Oz Guinness. He says this, responding to God's call requires courage, but we are not left alone. Responding to the call means rising up to the challenge in both conversation and partnership with others. We do this together in community and an intimate relationship between the called and the caller. Don't you love that the, the whole thing about pursuing the call of God brings the body of Christ together because we need each other and it brings us closer to the one who calls us. Ah, all comes back to relationship and love. Isn't that right? So um, we're going we're gonna to close. Uh, thank you all for coming back up. Uh, we're going we're gonna to close our service today by singing Come to the Altar because there's a great line in there, Jesus is calling be a good reminder for all of us. So this is what I'm simply going to ask you to do. We do have some altar ministers that would come up after the service. I'm just going to ask you to just come up a little bit. Uh, you can just come out now as we sing this last song. And so this is how we'll, this will conclude. It will really be up to the Holy Spirit how we conclude, not me. But if you, I would be remiss to talk about the call of God and not give an invitation for the gospel. If there's anyone here that you've never responded to the voice of love, the voice of Jesus calling you home, no better time to do that than now. You just come up here front and we will pray with you uh, because the call of God is the one voice that you don't want to push away. And his effective, his effectual call, honestly, you don't have a chance. He's going he's gonna, to he's gonna bring you right in because he's so awesome and amazing. Uh, and if you have a call for sanctification, if some of you feel that uh, you've been hung up, you haven't been growing, you haven't been flourishing, maybe there's stubborn sin in your life. It's a good opportunity to come up and pray for that, that you would be more like Jesus and less like yourself, less like this world. And then finally, if you are struggling right now, if you're at a crossroads with, by what you do, like, I, I feel that I, I should not be doing what I'm doing right now, or I don't feel like I'm doing what I'm doing now. I don't know if I should stay there. I don't know if I'm bearing fruit, because we all need that purpose, that, that, that assurance that God, that we are doing in this short life, what God would have us to do to, to bring his redemptive touch to the world around us. And that can be confusing. So don't try to figure that in, your, in yourself. Come out and, and get prayer for that. 
So I'm going to ask as we, as we close in prayer, you can sing, you can bow your heads right there and pray, you can pray with someone in the seats, or you can come up, however the Lord leads you. All right, and then when we're done with the song, and, these, and the altar ministers will stay up here even after the benediction. I'll give them the benediction, and then we'll be out for the day, okay? So, Lord, we just come to you now in the name of the one who calls us. We thank you, Lord, that we have heard your voice, that you call us by name. You call us unto salvation. You call us to be like you in sanctification. And you call us to vocation. We have the privilege of coming to you and then being sent out into this world in your name and for your glory. Lord, the calling is huge. And so I pray wherever it hits, us as individuals, us as families, or us as a church, God, that you would begin to speak to us. Open our ears, oh God, that we would hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, the voice of Jesus calling. Give us ears to hear and give us hearts to respond to the summons, to the call of the King, even this morning in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the KPC podcast. For more messages and information, visit kpc.org.